0: G'day guys. In today's episode, we speak to one of the most well-versed sports media journos in the industry, Darren Parkin. We speak to Darren about his story and how he found his way into the industry. We speak about the current climate of the AFL and we talk to him about his beloved saints. So sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. all right welcome everybody to episode 24 of the pressure point podcast i've got marcus here with me joining me once again marcus how are you going
1: G'day queen i'm good mate how are you
0: oh not too bad not too bad getting by we're in another festival of footy so i'm enjoying my time
1: watching that's that it. it's a good time to be alive isn't
0: it uh exactly right no that's your favorite <laughs> sayings um today with us we have another we have a special guest with us today uh Freelance commentator, broadcaster, journo, done work with SEN, AFL Nation, Cricket.com.au, Football Nation. The list goes on. I did copy all that from your Twitter page. But Darren Parkin, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks. I should update that a little bit. But yeah, most of it, <laughs> uh, most of that's still still current. But yeah, good, good to be here. And um, yeah, nice to nice to hear from both of you. And yeah, the the festival of footy is He's great. I think we had Monday off and, and that's about it. But yeah, good good to roll on through and, and we won't know what it's like next year if we go back to six
0: and seven days between games. It's going to be very different next year, I think. We've all gotten quite used to this. But um, you said the Twitter wasn't exactly up to scratch. Why don't you give us a background of yourself? Like, Where did your career with sports media begin and what inspired you to get into the industry?
2: I guess it's actually not too far off the mark, but yeah. So I um I studied journalism at, at Monash Uni back in sort of started 2004, so finished high school in 2003. I was at Monash through from from 2004 to 2007. So I like most people. Uh, played football as a, as a junior and, and wanted to be involved in that. I guess you reach a point where you realize you're not going to play AFL. So you're, you're trying to find a way. And my passion was always to stay involved as much as I could. I used to do stats at home, uh, watching Friday night games. Uh, I used to do, you know, pretend radio calls. I remember listening to Rex Hunt call the 1993 preliminary final between Essendon and Adelaide for, for 3AW. And uh, at that point, it was something I was pretty passionate about doing. Um Just studied normal journalism. I didn't do radio or sports journalism specifically, just a normal journalism degree at at uni. Um, Did a bit of work with the ANZ Bank, just doing some online journalism for them. And um, uh, towards the end of my studies and then did voluntary stuff at, at Casey Radio in Cranbourne, which was hosting a sports show on a Sunday and calling the VFL for them when they had the rights. Uh, and then, yeah, just just kept sort of emailing SEN. I didn't know a lot about them growing up in the country. I, I hadn't listened to them that much because uh, I wasn't in Melbourne. Uh, so I, I sort of kept trying to arrange meetings with them, caught up with the program director, uh, then didn't hear from him for quite a few months, uh, kept sort of emailing him for follow-ups. And then one day he sent me an ad for the overnight's radio host on, on SEN saying I oh, should have a go at that. It was run by a company called Croc Media. Uh, they are now the same thing as SEN. They weren't at the time. Uh, So Croc Media owned the time slot of of overnights. And um, so I applied for that role, uh, got down to the last two and just missed out, but got offered the role of being a producer. So I produced that show for about a year and then became host of it. And then Croc Media expanded into things like AFL and soccer and and other stuff and and more of a partnership with SEN. And and that all grew from there. I started calling AFL in 2011, um, started calling the A-League in 2014, I've uh, been with the cricket guys for, for four or five years. So, yeah, that, that's sort of my main passion is the play-by-play stuff. Um, and it's been good to sort of develop that.
0: Yeah, you've got quite an extensive history there. And I think, um, as you said earlier, I've got a similar sort of reason for trying to do this sports media thing and get into it. I think I realised quite early that playing AFL wasn't going to be my thing. And I, I think from <laughs> there, the ne- for me, the next best was definitely calling it and being involved with it all Um Like you said, there's a lot that you've you've done and tried to get into and all that. What do you think the most difficult hurdle for you so far um, in your career has been?
2: Probably, um, for me, a lot of it's been more recent. I mean, the the start of it was, and and it's a case of knocking on the right doors and and things like that. Obviously, you've got to have a skill set, but you've sort of got to be a bit lucky too, sort of right place, right time. And certainly that that perseverance can 't be sort of understated how you just sort of keep knocking on doors and keep doing you know jobs like hosting overnights jobs that are that are difficult where you might not earn a lot and and the hours are tough, but knowing what might sort of happen at the end but, but I guess for me that the biggest challenge has probably come lately with how the media industry has condensed itself a little bit, so it used to be quite broad. You you would have had maybe more radio stations, more callers. Um, Now it's a lot of uh, one call done from a studio will will cater to three or four different networks. Uh, And even now with you know radio stations merging together and partnerships like that, it might have come from where there were say 30 calling opportunities in a weekend hypothetically to 15 or 16. So that for me has probably been the uh, being a freelancer and, and being, I guess, a jack of all trades, master of none. It, it's been difficult when it's all been condensed like that to, uh, to, I guess, still get all of the opportunities that you want. So still getting there, but, but obviously not quite, to the, uh, not quite to the same extent. So for me, it's, it's the challenges now of um, trying to obviously create those opportunities when there are less of them
1: yeah perfect well in, in regards to um you know the biggest influence in your career to date who do you think that that's been and um you know who have you learned the most from in uh, in time working in the industry
2: um probably i guess three layers of it one that, that people may or may not be familiar with is a, a guy by the name of christian argenti so he um he used to host the overnights program on on SEN. Actually, funnily enough, for those who might not be familiar, he was a lead singer of the band Vertigo. If people remember them from the uh, late nineties, early two thousands, it had a, a couple of hits. He then went into radio after that, um, and has recently been hosting stuff in Queensland. But he was my first host that I produced for when I was twenty two or, or twenty three, and he taught me a lot about uh, things like delivery, about what is and isn't newsworthy, what. Uh, how to read what is good radio content and and things like that. So he w- he's been a, a huge mentor over the years. In a footballing sense, uh, it has been. It's funny enough. I, I say Rex Hunt, even though I'm not the same type of caller as as he is. Uh, he's clearly a you know an exuberant. Um, I, I guess more in terms of the the, the fun and the humour and the nicknames and that sort of stuff and. And whereas I'd be more of your maybe ABC type caller, a bit like say a Dan Lonigan that I know you're familiar with or, or try to call in the style of someone like Jared Waitley rather than being that more exuberant type. But yeah, he was, he was huge. As I said, when I, when I was eight years old, he became the reason I wanted to do it. And then I've had the chance to call 10 or 12 games with him uh, around the 2012, 13, 14 period. So he was a big influence uh, on me in, in that regard. And, and another one, um, would certainly be um, Peter Donegan, who's um, probably more of that style of calling. But but he, his versatility, so always heard the stories about how he was at the London Olympics in 2012 calling Usain Bolt, winning a gold medal, and then was in his hotel room that night studying VFL notes, not AFL, but VFL, because he was flying home the next day and had a VFL game maybe two or three days later. And I think that you called the biggest sporting event in the world. And then you're calling state football a couple of days later and he prepared for both of them the same way. And uh, we once rattled off a sport for every letter of the alphabet that he'd called somewhere along the line and we were actually able to find one. So just talking to him about that ability to be versatile but also constantly preparing that they'd probably be the three.
0: Yeah, right. Now, growing on that, you might have some of the same answers but who do you think your favourite person to work with has been so far? Uh, My favourite person
2: to work with is probably Terry Wallace, actually. Um, His knowledge base on the game is extraordinary. And and he's probably the first, first, I guess, full-time AFL person that I worked with regularly. And it was just after his coaching stint finished at at Richmond. And it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to that too, that uh, even to this day, I've never met somebody that understands the game as well as he does. And it opens your your eyes into even to the coaching landscape where you might have all of that knowledge base, and there's different layers of a club that that make them work or make them not work. But his ability to you know just just read games, and and he could sort of tell 15 minutes in saying if if the Western Bulldogs don't address A, B, and C, they'll lose, and and it's he'll pinpoint exactly what the the two or three things are, uh, and exactly how a side can win or lose games and pick it apart. So. He's always been great fun. He's a, he's a terrific fella as well. So uh, on top of those guys mentioned before, um, I've had a lot of, a lot of fun with play over the
0: years. Yeah, ter- Terry's football brain is unbelievable sometimes. The things that he comes up with, I don't know how he pulls it out, but he does. He's a terrific man. Um, what is your, what's your view on the current shape of the AFL at the moment? I know there's a lot of debate between people saying the quality's not as good um, or it's better. What do you think personally?
2: Um, I think they can get into trouble sometimes chasing their own tail where they, they might identify something that has tactically changed in the game over a year or two period and they'll, they'll try to combat it with a rule change and then that creates another problem. So then they either reverse the rule change or create another one to try to counteract that. Uh, for example, the congestion. They thought, well, if we, we pay holding the ball – less often and encourage players to, to just knock the ball out. It doesn't matter if it's thrown or dropped or spilt out, then that might encourage more movement. But then that gets people more frustrated. You get coaches sort of saying, well, that's that used to be holding the ball. But isn't it isn't anymore. What are we supposed to teach our players? And they balance it back the other way. So probably just the, the fact that they don't necessarily trust the product as much as they – should I mean you look at a sport like soccer which I think has had two major rule changes in 120 years or something like that I know it's a, a different game but uh, there's not a lot wrong with the, the AFL I think you can you can watch a lot of games from the the 80s and 90s and people say oh you know that was the great era there's some pretty bad games played back then and, and even in the 80s there were a lot of games that weren't televised or even on radio so there'd be some poor games you just never see so I don't think it's necessarily in that bad a shape and the fundamentals are still the same and, and everything that we're looking to achieve is still the same, but probably just letting it breathe a little bit. You don't always have to jump on top of it and stamp something out because generally it might be tactical. It might just be something the best team in the comp's doing and therefore the opposition are trying to counteract that, which is like, for example, when Sydney and West Coast were good in 05 and 06, the game was played very differently to when Geelong, Hawthorne, St Kilda, Collingwood, et cetera, were good in the 08, 09, 10, 11 period. So I just think they've just got to let it sort itself out
0: a bit sometimes. Yeah, I think the constant rule changes are definitely confusing for players and viewers such as ourselves. Um, it can be a bit much to take in. But now I have heard that you're a big Saints supporter. Um, obviously, the Saints have had a lot of close games this year and whatnot. I'm sitting in the eight at the moment. Are you optimistic about the Saints heading into the finals?
2: Um, yeah, they've obviously still got to secure the spot. There's a bit of work to do. I mean, the last two games, uh, either one of those victories would have secured the spot. The Brisbane loss, they will probably outplayed for most of that game, but, but found a way to hang in there and then nearly pinched it. The Melbourne game, they were quite wasteful. They, they, they missed a lot of shots and uh, butchered the ball going forward. So that was more frustrating of the two. Uh, they've got Hawthorne, uh, West Coast and GWS to come. They need to win at least one, possibly two. So they played well enough to be dangerous if they get in. They're not at the level where they can sort of win a flag or, or challenge for top four just yet. But they certainly, I would think, have, have done enough to deserve to play finals. But obviously that can change if they, if they fail in the next three weeks. And obviously you lose that right to do so. But they probably earned the right to finish the job, but they've still got to finish the job. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to get them back in there.
0: As a Richmond supporter, I'm pretty upset with the fact that uh, we let Dan Butler go and seeing the things that he's been doing with the Saints. You must be pretty stoked with how he's gone this year.
2: Yeah, he's been terrific. Probably he and and Jack Steele have been, the, I guess, the two real big positives. I mean, there have been others, Hunter Clark and, and a few others as well. But yeah, probably Dan Butler giving them a, a top quality small forward who's sort of top six for goals. And, and Jack Steele becoming an elite mid have been the two that have carried them forward.
1: Well yeah, as we all know, the um the news in the last twenty-four hours has been the, the Gabba GABA getting the grand final. Um what what are your thoughts on it? And um and obviously being at night as well, first time in history that's that's happened. Uh what are your thoughts on the GABA night grand final and will will you be heading up at all?
2: Um I I'd love to get that opportunity too. We'll obviously we'll see what happens when the allocations come around for uh for, for finals time. So I guess things can change very quickly in regards to quarantining and what it would mean if he came back and all of that sort of stuff. But look, the Gabba and Queensland, by extension, have been terrific for the competition. They've kept the comp afloat. Um, Every single side in the competition is hubbed in Queensland at one point or another. Uh, from from every state so without them we we may not have got to the finals I agree that Western Australia and South Australia are more football states and, and maybe in terms of how the public would react to that would be better in those states and they probably deserve it because of the love they've always had for the game but I think Queensland keeping the competition afloat and it seems the safest bet in terms of Limiting spread and and without issues around quarantining. If you go to Perth, you've got to go into a 14-day quarantine. You'd have to play whilst in quarantine. So, um, yeah, I, I just think Queensland was the safer option uh, of those as much as South Australia and WA might sit there and think that their historical contribution to football has been higher and they'd be right. Um, I think given the circumstances and I think someone raised a good point. We don't know how long the COVID thing will last. There's an outside chance we might need Queensland early next year again. So maybe then if you, if you take the grand final away from them this year, and then you turn around to the government in, in February or March next year and say, we need you again, they might not be as forthcoming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think they definitely deserve it for the, for the way that they've, uh, yeah, saved the season this season. So um, I definitely, definitely agree with it. But, um, in terms of your advice, what would be your, your one piece of advice to someone who wants to be a sports journalist and and get that big break into the sports media industry?
2: Probably just that, um, that, that persistence. I mean, there will be times where the, the journey will, will feel a little bit frustrating, but it's always sort of taking you somewhere and, and every job you do is a a means towards an end if it's community radio local radio a country newspaper overnights um, producing pressing buttons whatever it may be they're all skills that are important particularly as we said now with the streamlining they, they generally want someone who's a, a host or a broadcaster to be able to do most things to, to have that news feel and but also have some degree of technical knowledge as to what they're doing as well so yeah don't don't ever be discouraged by uh, if someone doesn't reply to an email, or if someone's not answering a phone call, or you apply for something and and, and don't get it, uh, that that persistence will eventually land you somewhere. So yeah, that that'd be my advice: is that, that never get put off, and, and no no road really leads to a dead end.
0: Yeah, I have to. I think that resonates with us a lot. Considering we're obviously trying to sort of break into there, and we've had a few people not quite get back to us the way we would have hoped they would have so it's a tough learning curve but um, it's definitely one I think that'll to,
2: always happen so. yeah I
0: think we're just going to take that ride and go with it from there but um, that's that's all we've got for today I, I really appreciate you joining us Darren I think your insight has been immense um, the knowledge you have for not just football but you know all sports as a whole is incredible and once like again I really do appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today
2: no worries always, uh, always happy to chat good luck Thank all right. Thanks,
0: Darren. Hopefully speak to you soon. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. As per usual, we really appreciate if you could go show us some love, leave us a review on iTunes, share it on Spotify, watch our YouTube videos. All the support really means a lot to us and we couldn't thank you more for it. So once again, thanks for listening. Stay safe, wear your mask, and we hope your team wins.